Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Chuck Lawless. And I'm Caleb Iverson. And we welcome you to another episode of Pastor Matters. Well, Dr. Lawless, we're getting to the end of November, and I was just curious, one of the things that a lot of guys do in November is no-shave November. And I just wanted to ask you, just out of curiosity, uh, since as long as I've known you, you've always had a mustache. So has that always been the thing? Have you always just gone for the mustache? Have you done no-shave November before? Yeah, first of all, let me ask you, is that why you're growing a beard? You know, in some ways, yes, I guess it wasn't intentional, it just kind of the way life worked out, I just didn't shave for like a week and a half. But then my <laughs> yeah. wife was like, you know, I kind of like it. So okay. for me, I was like, this is an open door. I never know if she'll say this again. So I'll let it go for a couple of days and, and see what All happens. Right. So, so it just happened that it's November. Yes. And because it's November, I guess it was acceptable to do so. So she was like, you know, I think you should just keep going. So All right. I got you. We'll see. You know, I grew my mustache when I was 18 years old. When I graduated from high school, I decided to grow a mustache. And Caleb, it has never been off my face. <laughs> I have never once. I'm 60. I'll be 63. It has never, never come off. You know, I'd be curious one day if what Miss Pam would say if you just woke up one morning and was like, hey, Pam, I just shaved my mustache. What do you think? And Yeah, you know, I had a dream a couple of weeks ago that I, that I shaved it off. Yeah. Actually, that it just disappeared. And I didn't even recognize myself because it's always, it's always been there. But I'll tell you what is happening is I look back at older pictures and it was actually quite a bit darker. Yeah. And it's just age. It's just changing colors. It's turning gray. It's not, sometimes I will have people who will walk up to me, and this is how bad it is, who will walk up to me, be within four or five feet of me and say, did you shave off your mustache? And, <laughs> and I have not. It's just, it's not as visible as it used to be. Uh, I had a guy text me last week. He saw, he saw me preaching on Facebook and his, his text didn't say anything about my sermon. His text was, did you shave off your mustache? And he said, I couldn't see it. That's great. So it's just a recognition that, you know what, age, life, they change us some, but I'm not, I'm not cutting it off. I'm going <laughs> to leave it on there. I don't know what I would look like without it, so yeah. it's, it's going to stay. It's ingrained For, in your identity it now. It is. It is. So it's staying. It sounds like from this conversation already, we need to do a contest of have pastors send in like a beard contest or something, and then we'll do a giveaway of who has the best beard. We'll no, that sounds vote. good. That there sounds go. good. I tried to grow a beard one time. My dad, for, for our listeners, my dad rode a Harley, really, until he was, he was uh, not able to hold his bike up anymore, and he looked like a classic Harley. I don't want to stereotype, but my dad had, he, he had the beard, and the beard was just scraggly and and uh, orange and red and gray and white. It was just all different colors. And and I decided one time I wanted to grow a beard, and it started coming in just like my dad's. Uh, <laughs> only it came in only in certain places on my face. And so I said, this is not, not going to work. So that's not happening, but I am going to keep my, my stash for that's sure. That's funny. Well, listeners, another thing in November is Giving Tuesday. Um, That will be tomorrow as this episode airs. And so we just want to encourage you. Um, Southeastern is doing a lot for Giving Tuesday, and we just invite you to join us in the work that we're doing. And I'll just add a personal note to that. Um, I'm a beneficiary of generous donors to Southeastern and the cooperative program. And so just for my heartfelt thank you, I just want to say thank you to those donors that have allowed me to have this education, to study, 
um, and they've provided richly for me. And so just thank you. A personal note that your your money and giving and things like that really does make a difference. It's made a difference in my life. And so just wanted to remind you of that opportunity coming up on Tuesday. Well, this episode is our second episode of Leadership Fatigue. We did an episode a couple weeks ago um, talking about different signs of leadership fatigue. And now we want to talk about how do we address those signs once we recognize them in our life. And so, Dr. Loss, I want to start with just the first sign that we talked about. You mentioned when we start living with a get-me-through-the-day mentality, um, that's maybe a sign that we're starting to feel fatigued. When we start to feel like, man, Lord, just help me get through this one day. We're, we're not thinking forward past that day. We're just trying to survive. So when we recognize that in our life, uh, what do we do? How do we respond and start to address that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's what we want to do in this, in this podcast is to talk practically about what steps we take. And so here's what I would say. This won't be a surprise to anybody who knows me. I, I use the word I often use. When, when your focus is on just getting through the day, you have a tendency to look at, all right, can I just get through these hours? And you miss what's happening right around you. So I challenge pastors, if that's where you are, watch for the glimpses of God's work in your life. Not something big, but just something little somewhere in this day, an email, a text, a conversation, something I read in a book, a, a scripture text that I read that just leaps off the page. Watch for just a glimpse and then ask God to help you not miss the glimpses. Because when you see God's glimpses at any point in the given day, you're not just living for the day. You're seeing God do something and it helps you to press through the day and increases your excitement for the next day. So so watch for the glimpses. Thank God for the glimpses. Tell somebody about the glimpses. Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Well, the second one you mentioned kind of goes along with that. Um, when you talk about losing vision, uh, when you get fatigued, you, you stop thinking about where we're going, where we're heading. Again, you get short-sighted, yes. um, and you, you're just really trying to survive again. So what would you say about that? When we start feeling ourselves losing vision— we're, we're trying to just uh, get through the day. We're, we're short-sighted. What do we do there? We get really weary then because we get focused on the weightiness of ministry, and we don't think about what is God up to, what does God want to do. We lose a sense of how is God working. We lose vision. That's the problem. One, one option would be to say, no, I'm going to step back, and I'm just going to regain my vision. Well, that's just, that's just really hard to do when you've already lost some of it. So what I encourage pastors to do is first find one area of the church, one ministry of the church, one component of the church's efforts, and work on that area. Maybe it's, it's men's ministry. Maybe it's evangelism. Maybe it's the children's ministry. Maybe it's, maybe it's something to do with the students. Maybe it's missions. Find one area and work with the leaders in that area to say, let's make sure we have some direction. Now, you want it to fit into the overall vision of the church, of course. But my point here is find an area, particularly find an area that you love as a pastor, an area that just really, really lights your fire and spend the time working on that area and work on work on that area and let that smaller vision grow into your bigger vision again. Again, see the glimpses, and in the glimpses, invest in an area that makes a difference for you, that really brings joy to you, and then let that vision grow again. Mm, Yeah. 
Well, this one is is far too often uh, declining spiritual disciplines. Uh, this is often, I think, the first sign in a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives is they're saying, "Hey, how's your prayer life, man? I'm I'm struggling to pray. Uh, I'm struggling to get into the Word. I'm not really spending a lot of personal time with the Lord." Uh, one, why do you think this is one of the first ones to go? And then when we start to notice that, uh, what are some things that we can do to practically address that? Uh, why does it? Why is this one of the first ones to go? I think busyness gets in the way of of those things. Hmm. You think about setting aside time to read the Bible to pray. Generally, that means you're pulling yourself away from the work. You are moving away from the people you're called to shepherd, and frankly, the people who are paying your paycheck. And it feels like sometimes, wow, if I'm going to set aside all this time to do this. There are other things I I need to be doing. And for many of us who are doers first, when it feels like we're delaying doing, we don't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. So what happens is our our Bible study and our prayer almost become perfunctory. We read, we pray, we press on. It's not really a genuine discipline and encounter with God. I, I think another reason this happens, Caleb, is because many of us have been told to do disciplines but not taught how. Oh, yeah. Even as leaders, even as pastors, we do it because we know we're supposed to, but no one's really ever taught us how to dig into the Word, how to really pray, and we're just trying to figure out how to do it, and it's more draining when we're trying to figure out how, even why we're trying to get it done at all. Mm-hmm. So I think those things those things happen. What, what do we do with it, though? And I agree with you, this is probably the first sign. I have never met somebody who has just gotten exhausted in ministry— I never met anybody who, who has fallen in ministry who hasn't said, you know, I let my, I let my disciplines go. Hmm. I didn't spend time with God anymore. It's a, it's, a, it's a warning sign as much as anything. So here's what I say. I think sometimes, Caleb, we think, all right, I'm not doing this at all, so by tomorrow I want to be the Apostle Paul. I want, <laughs> I want to be living in the Word. I want the Word buried in my heart. I want to pray. I pray for these believers and these believers and these believers, and I pray without ceasing. I want all of this fixed by tomorrow, and that doesn't happen. So my encouragement to folks who, who have experienced declining spiritual disciplines is start somewhere. Start somewhere. Even if it means you read a verse a day. Now, I want you to do more than that, but if it means reading a chapter a day, Take you a while to get through the scriptures, reading a chapter a day. But if I can get you to reading a chapter a day, you can grow that discipline. If I can get you to be consistent, then I can help you grow in quantity and quality of your of your reading. If it means you take 10 minutes a day and pray, my guess is for some leaders, 10 minutes a day is more than they're praying now, particularly if they're experiencing declining spiritual disciplines. So start somewhere. Pray a little longer each day. Spend a little more time in the Word each day. Don't set the goal so high that you know you're going to fail. Set a workable goal and start somewhere. Mm. Yeah, that's helpful. What does it look like to take that just that first, that next step forward? Well, this one is is really interesting to me. Um, faking joy and excitement. So, you know, when few actions are are more exhausting than just pretending that you have to have it all together— and I think those that are in leadership positions really feel this. You know, sure. they feel like they've got to be a strong right. anchor for others or, you know, everyone feels like they feel like they're looking to them. So they've got to project, hey, they're excited. They're still walking with the Lord. They're feeling strong and confident in what the Lord is doing. Um, but man, when you are tired 
and you yeah. try to put that yeah. face on, there's nothing more draining. Um, so for listeners that may find themselves in that moment or feel that pressure, temptation to fake joy, to fake excitement, what would you say to them? Yeah, you, you got it. We, we don't give ourselves permission to wrestle. Mm. And so we, we play the game sometimes. We, we want to look like we're filled with joy and excitement when, when the truth is internally we're struggling. So I, I say to pastors, one, just be honest with God. Bear your soul before the Lord. He won't, he won't be surprised by your thoughts. He knows where you are. But there's just something about admitting to God, God, I'm not, I'm not experiencing joy right now. I don't have excitement in ministry right now. I, I'm going through the motions, and it's wearing me out. So, God, I'm coming to you for rest, and I'm coming to you for renewal. I, I think the answer is not to run from God, it's to run to God and ask God for help. The other thing I would say is when, when this is just really hard to, to show joy and excitement, do something that does excite you. Hmm. Do something that you do enjoy. Now that might mean that might mean something you do via ministry. I, I love baseball. If I want to get away, I'll go to a baseball game. Maybe ministry, when I'm hurting, when I'm lacking joy and excitement, maybe I call up one of my church members and say, hey, go to the ball game with me, where I'm still shepherding in some ways, but I'm, but I'm doing something that I enjoy. I love hiking. Sometimes the best thing I can do is put a leash on my dog and go hike and, and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, we're, just, we're just talking here right now. It's really tough, and, and I'm not sure what tomorrow is going to bring. Uh, but help me. Mm-hmm. And I'm more inclined to do that if I'm out doing something that I want to do. I'm out in in the wilderness. I'm out in the woods. I'm doing something that I love. Uh, that pulls me away from the things that are draining me. And in a 20-minute walk, 30-minute walk, I can, I can get some renewal. Mm. What I love about that, too, is that's so simple. You know, it's not it anything is. complex, but it's you know, sometimes when you're feeling so fatigued or, or tired like that, maybe it's just that simple step, like you just mentioned, to get away and just get some refreshment before moving That's on. That's good. Well, the next one is frustrating family members. Um, you know, often when we get fatigued, when we get tired, um, those that are closest to us uh, feel the brunt of that. You know, maybe we're just we're impatient. You know, we've got a shorter temper, or we are carrying that baggage throughout the day. And, you know, it's not right to do so, but often is the case sure. that our family bears the brunt of that. Um, so how do we how do we navigate that when we start to frustrate our family members and we're carrying this load? Yeah, I I would say first make sure we give our spouse permission to say you're dumping too much on me. Hmm. Our, all of our spouses are different. Some some spouses want to know the data. They they feel more a part of of what we're doing and who we are because we invite them into what we experienced in the day. Not necessarily betraying confidences, but but certainly letting them know what's happened. Others. Others that would come home and they just want to be, let's just be, let's just be family. And so I think we have to figure out which, which kind of spouse we, we have. But I think we always need to say to our spouse, look, if, if I'm putting too much on you, if I'm giving too much of this burden to you because I may not have anybody else to talk to, I just need you to tell me. Slow down. You, you're giving me enough. The other thing I might say is just a, just a practical thing, just, just a simple thing that says, when I get home from work, here's my commitment. For the first two hours that I'm home, I'm not going to talk about work. Mm. I'm just not going to do it. For two hours, I'm going to focus on 
my spouse, my kids, my pets, whoever, so that I can at least force myself to try to pull away from whatever I left in the office or at the church and focus my attention on my on my family. And what will happen, I think, Caleb, is if at the end of the night I do want to share some things with my spouse because I have pulled myself away from the things and really enjoyed some hours of just focusing on my family, how I express those things and how I feel about those things sometimes will be different. Mm. And so the burden may not be as heavy on our on our spouse. Yeah, that's really, really insightful. Well, the next one is is magnifying minors. And so those small little things that normally you're able to overlook sometimes feel like the biggest thing or, you know, it's just the, the straw that breaks yeah. the camel's yeah. back, so to speak. So, you know, when we recognize, hey, we're getting frustrated about really things that are honestly pretty dumb. Um, you know, what's the, what's the sign there for us to take a step back and say, man, what, what am I doing here? You know? Yeah. And this is part of the problem. Sometimes we get really frustrated at things that are really dumb, but we don't realize how dumb it was to get frustrated until we've gotten past it. Yeah. When we're in the midst of it, it doesn't always feel so dumb, but, but often it is. What I would say to, to leaders is we've got to be sensitive to when we know that the stress is heavy on us for whatever reason, it may be a, a, a genuine, a, a real reason that we're bearing stress out of ministry, and it's just where we are. But when we know we're bearing that stress, that's when sometimes we overreact to the minor things. So sometimes it's just a matter of knowing, look, I'm dealing with all of these things over here. I'm going to have to deal with this issue. I don't want this issue to be magnified because of everything else I'm dealing with. It's just being self-aware a mm-hmm. little bit. But I also think and this is going to sound really simple, maybe simplistic. I think there's a place for sometimes saying, I'm just going to count to 10 and let the Lord work in my heart before I say anything, before I think anything, before I write anything, before I send any email. I'm just going to take a breath. Hmm. And I'm going to count to 10. And as I'm counting, Lord, slow me down. Don't let me be silly. Don't let me write something I shouldn't write. Don't let me say something I shouldn't say. Don't let this wound my heart in a way that's harmful to me. And Lord, I'm just going to count to ten, and then you guide me. I, I think I think it's uh, it's just a simple strategy to slow down our emotions a little bit and let the Lord work. And hear what I said. It's not just a matter of counting to 10. It's counting to 10 as I'm talking to the Father. Mm-hmm. And you put the two together, and I think that I think that helps us. Another thing that, that, that I do that actually Dr. Aiken taught me here at the seminary is you ask a question about whatever you're facing. Will this likely be an issue a year from now? Mm. Yeah, and good. you don't always know, but where that's helpful to me is it pause, it gives me pause to say, all right, if this is not really going to be an issue down the road, is this likely just going to pass? Then how much energy do I give to this? If this is likely to still be a problem a year from now, maybe I do need to invest in it. And I need to I need to work on this issue, whatever it is. But if I know this is really not going to be an issue beyond a little while, then I don't need to make it a major if it's just a if it's just a minor. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Super practical too. Here at Southeastern, we know that our global Great Commission impact is only made possible by faithful ministry partners and supporters like you who share our vision for equipping students to make disciples through the local church and around the world. 
On Giving Tuesday, November 28th, we invite you to join us by giving to support our Great Commission efforts. To give now or to learn more about how your giving can have an eternal Great Commission impact, visit sebts.edu give. This one um, is really interesting. I think it's subtle in some ways, mm-hmm. but many have, you know, fallen to this, and it, it's actually potentially really dangerous for us, and that is misdirecting affections. Uh, sometimes when we get fatigued, we turn to other things for affirmation, for things that give us comfort, for things that give us an escape, um, but the consequences of that can be catastrophic if we're not careful and we don't catch that and let it go its path. And so what do we do when we find ourselves longing for other things, looking for other things, um, for fulfillment, for comfort, for escape? What do we do in those situations? Yeah, great, great question and a, and a very real scenario. We all know folks who have fallen out of, out of misdirected affections. So I would, I would say several things. One, I'll go back to what we've already said, that what we have to do is learn to really invest and reinvest in our family. Hmm to make sure that we're giving them time. We're giving them genuine attention, not faking listening, but really listening. Uh, not just being there physically, but being there emotionally for, for our families. And that does mean pulling away from the stressors of ministry sometimes, just, just to hang out with our family and, and, to see, and to see in our family. One of the things I think about, Caleb, is when I see Adam and Eve crossing the sin line in the garden, here's what they did. In order to eat from the tree that God commanded them not to eat from, they turned their back on everything else God had given them. Hmm. And at least temporarily, they deemed that what, whatever was on that tree was more important to them than all of God's blessings. Well, as I think about that, even in my, in my own marriage, I know the gift that God has given me in Pam. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was 30 when I got married. I wasn't sure that I ever would get married. And God... God just brought her into my life, and she's walked with me, supported me, helped me in so many ways over the years. I, I don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. And if, if I decide to look elsewhere, what I'm saying is there must be something better than what God's given me, and that's not, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. What God's given me is a unique, beautiful, perfect gift for me. And if I keep that in mind, I can invest in her. I can make sure I'm hanging out with her genuinely, and nobody else is is attractive to me in that in that sense. I'd also say, Caleb, I, sometimes I work with with guys that I'm mentoring. Every once in a while, I'll ask them, "Is there anybody else in your church or in your life for whom you are developing feelings hmm, that's a good other than your spouse?" And here's why I ask that question. Because I've been in situations where I've heard guys talk about not their spouse, but about somebody of the opposite gender that they're discipling, that they're investing in. And I, and I can watch their eyes light up when they talk about that person. And I regret now, sometimes, Caleb, that I didn't speak up about what I thought I saw and what I heard in those conversations. Somebody developing something beyond a pastoral care for a church member, somebody developing feelings that were dangerous. Mm. And so now I just ask them, do are you are you at 
any level experience any kind of attraction or feelings for somebody else? We need to we need to answer that question. All of us do. And then the final thing that comes to mind is I think about misdirected affections. I think it's wise to say to ourselves, to keep telling ourselves throughout the day, I'm going to be really stupid if I fall into this trap. Mm-hmm. This just isn't smart at all. I know better than this, and I don't want the enemy to win. So I think there's some practical steps we can take to to really address that, to stop that problem before it develops. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. Well, this one is our last one, decreasing exercise. And I would even throw in there maybe decreasing self-care, meaning, you know, our, our different daily rhythms of how we're eating, you know, our exercise rhythms, but just honestly taking care of yourself, you know, putting the oxygen mask on yourself so that you can serve yeah, others. Um, but, you know, we might be experiencing physical, emotional fatigue, so when those signs of just daily self-care, weekly self-care fall apart, what do we do there? What are some practical steps we can take? Yeah, I love that image of putting the, the oxygen mask on yourself so you can minister to others. That's, that's, uh, I'll, I'll remember that. That's really helpful. I think that's exactly what we have to do. Hmm. We have to recognize when we're running out of oxygen. And, and we have to be self-aware enough to know what are the symptoms that we're just not taking care of ourselves. For me, if I'm, if I'm short with Pam... If I'm impatient with things, is it, is it possible? Do things bother me more than they typically would? Is it possible that I'm just not taking care of myself spiritually, physically, uh, emotionally, relationally, even financially? Uh, am, I, am I bearing a burden because I'm just not being wise and taking care of the, the, the gifts that God has given to me? I, I, think, I think we have to constantly be aware of what those symptoms are, and I think we have to plan we have to plan to take care of ourselves. Hmm. It doesn't happen naturally. We, we have to plan for, maybe it's a plan for a 10-minute walk each day just to get out of the office and just to exercise our body for a few minutes. Let it be a prayer time. Let it be a meditation time. Let it be a time where you don't do anything but just walk. But it's, but it's just a way to say, this is the body God's given me, and at least for 10 minutes I, wanna, I want to try to take care of myself. I want to do better. I think it means for many of us, it means joining a gym. Hmm. It means deciding that this matters enough to me. And more than that for me, Caleb, not only is this the body that God's given me, so we have to take care of it, but I'm also aware, you know, my dad later in life developed diabetes and heart disease. And and some of it was because he just didn't take care of himself. And I watched my mom have to take care of him. Well, where I ultimately land with this is if I really love my spouse, if I really love my, my children, if we had children, if I really love my family, taking care of myself physically is an effort of love. Mm. It is to say, I want to be here for you. Yeah. I want to have energy to, to, to play with you, to hang out with you. Uh, I don't want you to have to take care of me. Uh, I, I don't want us to have excessive medical bills and burdens because I'm just not being smart. Now, obviously, we can all face medical issues, health issues that are completely out of our control. But I think out of, out of a desire to please God who created us and out of love for our families, we need to make deliberate, conscious choices to say, I am going to take care of myself hmm. for, for God's glory. And we just have to make the decision to do it and take steps in that direction. Yeah, and that's so helpful, especially I love that you draw out that point of, doing that as, as worship to God and out of love and concern yeah, for your family. Because right. this culture will tell us, hey, take care of yourself, 
but it's purely for selfish gain, for yeah, selfish true. reasons. But I love that, again, going back to it's motivated by, by love. And even just maybe, Pastor, if you're struggling to take that next step, maybe that's helpful for you just to see this as, man, I can actually worship God by how I'm training my body. You know, that's right. Bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way. But also I'm loving my family by taking the time to take care of myself. And maybe that's the paradigm shift that we need to take to take that first step. Yeah, to go back to where we started even, this is another place where I would say you're not going to fix this overnight. Yeah. If you're out of shape, you've not been healthy, you're not eating well, you got some work to do. But nothing's going to happen if you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. So start somewhere because you want to worship the Lord and you love your family. I, I love that, that wording, Caleb. Well, pastors, if you are weary, discouraged, leadership is wearing you out today, you recognize some of these symptoms in in your life. I hope that some of these directions, solutions, proposals have been have been helpful to you. Thank you again for listening to another episode of of Pastor Matters. And listeners, we hope that you found this conversation helpful. Um, As always, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We really do want to hear your feedback um, so that we can make sure that we're producing episodes that are equipping and encouraging each week. Um, That's our mission at the center. We want to make sure that we're doing that each week. So I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 